This is Pastor Floyd McDonald from Calvary Christian Assembly of God. Wanted to tell you today, thank you for tuning in to our podcast. We believe that there's power in the Word of God that can change your life, that can change your family, that can change your attitude. Tune in and listen to this special message. This morning I want to, uh, I'm, I'm going to be do my best to be obedient to the Lord and just mention that I believe that there is somebody here this morning that when you put your hand on the doorknob to leave your house today, sometime in that vicinity, right through that timeline, there's somebody that had the thought cross their mind, this may just be the last time I go to church. And I mean because you're at kind of a discouraged, desperate, dark place. And I'm here to tell you this morning, the issue that you're having is not with God. And it may feel like that you're upset with God or church or something like that. But the real issue is a place of brokenness in your heart that God is going to fix. And the enemy does not want you here. He does not want you in the house of God. He does not want you around the things of God. And I know that being around, I know I'm speaking to somebody directly right now. Uh, I know that being around people can be painful because people have hurt you. And there are trust situations. And I would imagine some of them have even had to do with church. And so to even come can be difficult and a challenge and painful. I'm going to tell you, that, all of that's an enemy that wants to keep you away from what God has. Because God has something very, very special and specific for you. Do not give up on him. I will remind you, he has not given up on you. He won't, so don't give up on him. And if that was you, you broke through. You broke through and got here today. You proved that the enemy is not in control of your life and God is. So don't ever, don't move backward from that. Keep moving forward. And, uh, and when you respond at the end of this service, as we pray in these altars, God is going to meet you if you'll meet him here. And uh, if that was you, I want you to be sure and tell me so that I can rejoice to know what God has done in your heart. Um, but uh, this morning, I'm going to minister uh, from a subject that has been confirmed by Every message in tongues and prophecy has been given this morning. Uh, things that are pieces and parts of this message have already been spoken to this congregation from the voice of God today already. And, um, uh, and when the Lord directed me to this particular message, um, I, I did not know that I would also receive, as I was in prayer about these services and about your church, I did not know I would receive this that I'm about to tell you of. I... Uh, so I was in prayer and considering these services and your church and its future. Um, the Lord showed me something, uh, showed me, and by that, by, I mean by way of vision, I saw it. Um, and it wasn't uh, what I saw, I believe, actually, uh, when I came in and saw the renderings of the new building, I thought, oh, that's, that's the building I was seeing, okay. Um, and, and what I saw was this. Over the apex, the highest part of the, the new building, um, a light, and not just a light, I don't mean a lit, I don't mean an electrical apparatus, I mean a light that was, had a red glow to it, that was set down upon the top of the apex of this, what will be a new building here. And God laid on my heart that what he's going to do here is mark this church with his glory and put over this house a light that will shine through the darkness of this area 
And he's going to do it in such a way that it will not be a personality that is seen. It won't be people and programs that are known. It will be the presence and the glory of God that will be revealed to people. He is going to do it. And church, this is different. Let me tell you what this, is, what this is about. This is different than having the presence of God work in a church service and, well, we had good church or we had God moved in answer to prayer or God did something powerful. Those things are beautiful. They're ongoing. We always have that. Thank God for it. But he's, he's got something different in mind. Because at the end of Exodus, when, uh, when Moses has uh, taken all of God's instructions to construct the tabernacle, the Bible declares that he, took, he, that he took all of the instructions and fulfilled them perfectly, completely. And when Moses completed the tabernacle, and this is what you all have been doing, you're building this church the way God wants it to be. You're getting the people in place. You're getting the ministries aligned. You're making the decisions. You're planning the future. You're getting finances in order. And all of that is the building. Just like Moses was instructed to build the tabernacle, you are building it. And it, it was all for this moment. It wasn't for the sake of a tabernacle or a building. That would have impressed no one. A tabernacle wouldn't have defeated an army. None of that would have mattered. But here was the, the moment they were waiting for as all of the construction of the tabernacle came down to fruition. There came the moment when the Bible says when, when Moses had completed all of the instructions and, 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 and completed the tabernacle, the Bible says that then the glory of the Lord, the Shekinah glory of God entered the tabernacle and rested over the Ark of the Covenant, which is why the priests then couldn't even stand up to minister, the Bible says. Why? Because at that point, from then on, it was all about God. It was not about people. It was not what Moses could do. It was not what the priests could do. It was going to be about what God was going to do. And it wasn't a moment where he showed up for a time in a church service and then we went about our work. No, it was the glory of God that sat down over the Ark of the Covenant and the glory was with them in the nighttime, and the glory was with them in the daytime. And when they faced enemies, the presence of the glory moved the enemies out of the way and made the way forward because the glory was present. God had miraculous direction for Moses because the glory was present. They were routed around dangers and through obstacles they couldn't have understood how to navigate because of the presence of the glory. It was there when the clouds hung overhead. It was there when the sun shined. It was there when people were full of sin and God had to correct them. But yet the glory remained and it became their stability. It became who they were known for. They said, oh, the enemies would say, oh, they've got that ark with them. They've got that glory of God with them. And the, and the enemies were, were fleeing because of the presence of that glory cloud over the people of Israel. This is different than a good church service. This is different than a program. This is when God says, I'm going to sit down here. And when people come to the office to meet with pastor on a Tuesday afternoon, they won't just be coming to a meeting because his glory has sat down here. They will come into the presence of something greater than man. It will be that as they drive down this road, Something will be different about this little stretch of highway right here. Something will be different. And it's not because of, of, of great marketing campaigns. Praise God for knowing how to communicate with the public. That's fine. 
but it will be because the mark of God rests on this house. At the end of the text I'm about to read and preach from, hopefully, um, you know, Moses says, God, if your presence isn't with us, how will anyone know to distinguish us from anyone else on earth? And in this day in America, even right here in Southwest Missouri, how, how are we going to be different? How are we going to stand out from those who have millions of dollars in industries trying to draw people away from God? How are we going to speak when, our, when we don't seem to have the influence that others seem to have in this world? When, when, when our political views aren't always as popular, when, when it seems like that we don't always have a seat at the table, how is it that God, people are going to know we're different, that we have something? The answer is His glory upon us. It won't be something we can do or earn or it won't be anything we can pay for. It is simply the favor of God's manifested glory over us. And so what I've asked God to do in this service because he showed me that and then it correlated completely with the message I already had on my heart to share with you. Um, I asked the Lord to let that begin today. That he would sit down today because I, I, I saw there, and this is what I described to your pastor. I saw taking that glory from this house into the new one. Glory, glory. Not, well, we're waiting on a new building for things to get even better. Come on, come on. No. No, the new building is necessary for all of the people that will be brought to the glory. There's not an option. There has to be more space for that. I mean, there's just no, the things God's called you to do, there's no, there's no way to fulfill it unless that vision out there of that rendering comes to pass. So, so that is not about, well, our status will increase or we'll, we'll draw people if we have a new belt. No, no, no. The glory of God's going to draw them. We just need an appropriate place to minister to them and gather them, which is what is being taken care of. So, so I, I see that God's beginning that work even this day so that you'll carry that forward. And let me tell you what living under the glory is like. Living under the glory is not we're hoping God shows up and does something. Living under the glory, remember, we're just talking about the, the, the sojourn in the wilderness, is waking up, is waking up in the middle of the night. Do y'all remember? I, I'm probably not going to preach what I had planned now. Um, do y'all remember... The way that the camp of the Israelites was situated around the tabernacle. There was a very orderly fashion. If you don't know, as they traveled in the wilderness, God had dictated to them a very orderly fashion in which their tents by tribe would be set up. And all of the tribes were oriented around the tabernacle of God with the glory of God in the central part of the camp. So that when you come out of their tents, they were, you would, your door of your tent you would be facing, you would be watching uh -huh. yes. the glory of God, which means the middle of the night, glory. 3 a.m. Some guy and lady that we don't know their name, we don't even know anything about them, could have been worried about their kids. You probably had a 3 a.m. when you were worried about the kids oh. or the grandkids, concerned about what was going to happen with their future, what was going to happen with their health. 
You know, like with me, today's been so refreshing in the presence of God because I've, God's just poured into me today about Erica's health today. Just through our worship. I've just been grateful for it. And maybe at 3 a.m. they're up concerned about something. And they get up and they throw open the door of their tent. This is what it means to carry the glory. What did they see first thing? There was the fiery presence of God that rested over the tabernacle. It wasn't there just because it was nighttime and they were asleep. It wasn't gone just because, because they had a worry and a care. No, in the middle of their pain and their worry and their, all the stress and the things they were going, they just opened the door and in, even in the midnight hour, they look out there and there's the fiery presence of God. And you're reminded, no, we carry him with us. I'm not hoping he shows up in my tomorrow. I'm carrying him into my tomorrow because he said his glory is going to manifest in his temple. So I'm carrying him with me. It's a confidence where you can walk out into life's decisions tomorrow, not concerned about if I'll get it right or if I'll get it wrong or what if we do the wrong thing. No, I'm going to get it right tomorrow because the glory of God is upon me. And when I make the step forward into what's in front of me, the wisdom of God will download into my heart. Why? Because he's faithful, because he's present, because he's everything that I need. It has to be a glory. The glory of God. It can't be. This doesn't work with um, uh, just mere education. This doesn't work with religious rituals and experiences and routines. This only works if the glory of God actually rests upon our lives. And that's, that's really what I wanted to talk to you about. Maybe I will read my scripture here. Dabble around a little bit. There's a couple of things maybe worth noting before we pray. The scripture is from Exodus 33, verse 12. And let me spoil or alert myself. Maybe as we're reading this scripture, look for a particular shift in Moses' language. He says, "Then, then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And he, God, said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Now, I love Moses, because he does, he's, he's like me. If you've ever been in a, in a business deal, you're about to agree on buying that car or you're, about to, you're in a closing on a sale or you're about to enter into an agreement on property or something and you have them repeat what they just said. You just want to make sure. He says, verse 15, Now if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Verse 18. And, he said, he didn't leave it at that. Please. When somebody says please, we've moved into a different realm. We've moved out of the business realm and now we're in the relational realm. 
And he says, okay, we've dealt with what I need to do about getting you to go with us because I have a great responsibility in this company of people. But aside from that, God, please show me your glory. Show me your glory. I hope you hear the heart of Moses in that statement. Because uh, this message today really is that prayer. It is that heart's cry. The expression of longing and desperation. The very thing that we're going to ask God to do at the end of this message. We say with Moses, God, show us your glory. Now, when we look in on Moses on Exodus 33, he's having this face-to-face conversation with God. He's at the tabernacle of meeting outside the camp speaking with the Lord. And when we listen in on his conversation we discover something about Moses. We listen in on Moses' conversation with God. Can I tell you, if you want to gauge your relationship with God, listen to your own prayer life. If you want to discover where you're at in your maturity and in your walk with the Lord, listen to your own prayer life. What do you say to him? What are you asking him for? What are you listening for? Or are you listening? What are you believing for? Who is it about? What are the subject matters that that fill up your time in the presence of God? And the answer, listen, to some of our problems is that we need to develop a deeper prayer life. The answer to some of our problems uh, is not that we find outward solutions. It is that we find a private respite in the presence of God because the foundation of everything you do in public is how you talk to God in private Jesus said the father sees what is done in secret and then he rewards you openly the answer to some of our problems we need to develop that deeper prayer life some of your problems with your spouse don't need to be handled by arguing with them they need to be handled as you get on your face before God and let him drill out of you the bitterness and the anger and the unforgiveness and place his softness in your heart for them. Some things don't need, well, we just need to hash it out. No, some of us need to go in the prayer closet and hash it out with God. And let him soften our heart toward that spouse. Some of our issues don't need to be, well, I think it's about time I go in my boss's office. No, unless the Holy Spirit tells you to do that, that is not what you need to do. What first you need to do is spend time in the secret place with the one who knows the end from the beginning. Spend time in the secret place with the one who can influence the heart of your boss. The one in the secret place who knows what the right answer is and can keep you from making a fool of yourself and destroying your future at a place of business. Because your anger got the better of you. I just need to speak up. Yes, you need to speak up in the presence of God. Because if there's something to be done or said, if you need to go to your spouse, if you need to go to the boss, in the presence of God, God will confirm that. He will lead you. He will direct you. But we don't. We oftentimes take action in public because, we, because we're offended in public. Because it's out here on the outward, so we deal with it on the outward. And, and we, have, we, we have all of these deficits in, in public because we are not doing our warfare in private. That's good. Good word. But you know what happens now? We've got all of this. The means through social media. Hello. To deal with all of our problems publicly. All of our grievances. We feel like we want the world to hear and know just exactly how hurt and wronged we've been. Do you know what that is? That's a spirit of pride. When you need everybody to look at you and feel sorry for you. 
I'm sorry if I'm calling you out this morning, but it's a spirit of self-pity. This is not the spirit of God. That's good. And yet we've been given this, this opportunity where we get to speak to the world anytime we want to. And, and, and the world has made it as if that it is natural and as normal for us to just take all of this to the public court. But think of it. Facebook friends won't be able to help your situation. Your Instagram followers will not be able to intervene for you. And we're expending this energy. And do you know what you're doing? You know, I've always said that Facebook is the place where people make public the issues that they are not yet aware of within themselves. Ever just scroll down and think, ooh, she's bitter. (laughs) And she doesn't even know it. It's the forum by which we make public all of our personal issues and the world is watching. Meanwhile, a few moments in prayer with the one who can move heaven and earth. A few moments in prayer with the one who can change my perspective. A few moments in prayer when I can stand against the devil and the enemy and all of his demons and every lie in the spirit. I can stand in authority and bind and gag what needs to be bound and gag. Why would I spend and expend all of my energy in the public form when I can fight my battles in private and win? When I walk out the door in the morning, I can assure you after I've had my time alone with the Lord, I'm not one bit scared of what the enemy's going to do that day. I'm not concerned about my family. I'm not concerned about my church and his people. I guarantee you, because I already dealt with that joker in my prayer time, and now I just get to walk out in the confidence that God is just going to keep his promises to me. If I'll keep walking, he'll keep blessing. If I keep moving, he'll keep fulfilling his promises. So I, 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 do my, I do my fighting in the And by the way, uh, it is in the secret place where you cast your care upon the Lord yeah. Yeah. because He cares for you. Right. Now, I know we all know that scripture well, but some of us don't even cast some of the care we carry on the Lord. You, some of us do not pray about some things that we need to offload the weight and the worry. And the anxiety and the concern, and we won't do it. He said, well, I just kind of handle things myself. And everybody's national, you know, everybody's country of origin seems to, you know, German people. Oh, we're German people. We, you know, we don't have to, you know, we're strong. Well, for me, it's, well, we're Irish people, and we're strong people. And, we, and everybody, everybody's, everybody's national origin, they seem to think, well, you know, I come from this kind of stock and that kind of family, and we... You know, what all of that's saying is you think you can do it alone and you can't do any of it alone. What you're really doing by carrying all your anxiety, your fear, your worry, not admitting it to God, not praying about it, what you're really doing is swallowing poison every time you won't cast your care onto the Lord. Why would God tell us cast your care onto Him if we didn't need to? But, I, but, I, I, but I'm, I'm stoic. I don't talk. I don't, you know, God knows what's in my heart. I don't have to do all that. Well, see, here's the thing. If you don't cast your care onto God, you will end up casting it onto someone. If you're the boss, I guarantee you the co-worker, I guarantee the people that work for you know that something's going on with you. You get a little meaner. Your fuse gets a little shorter. I guarantee your spouse knows 
because you're casting your... But I don't, I'm not telling her anything. I don't want to make her go through... No, your attitude has changed and she's bearing the brunt of it. You're casting your care. Your kids know. You come home and you're not offloading what's going on at work to the Lord, but you're grumpy with your kids. What is that doing? That's offloading. You're casting your care on them. Don't do that. You get in the secret place and you cast that care onto the Lord. And so that's what we, we see. We, Moses, here he is. And he, he's talking to God about all these things. He's got the care of carrying the, the people of Israel into the promised land. And so he's offloading all that. He's talking to the Lord about all oh, what he needs to do. And, um, and, that's, and that's what he should have done. But I love that Moses didn't leave it there. Uh, you know, he, he, did, he did shift. And he shifts into this moment where he says, show me your glory. There had been a great shift actually in Moses' life. Because if you go back to the first meeting we know of Moses having with God, there was a very different prayer that was going on that day. And you remember this involved a burning bush and God's call upon his life. In fact, I want to take you back and read you what Moses' dialogue with God sounded like in his first can you imagine the first time you ever prayed what that sounded like compared to the way you pray now? <laughs> Exodus 3.11. Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the people out of Egypt? Verse 13. When I go to the children of Israel and they ask who it is that has sent me, what shall I say? If you turn over to chapter one, 4 verse 1, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? You go down to verse 10. I am not eloquent. I am slow of speech. See, when we're younger in the Lord, when we have an encounter with God, it's all about us. That's good. Moses has all these questions and it all revolves around me, God, my weakness, my inability. Will people believe me? How am I going to do? It's all centered on him. Yeah. And you know what? As we begin our early stages of our walk with God, that is often the way it is. And there's nothing wrong with that because when you have a child, they're very egocentric for the first few years. They're mostly aware of their own existence. They develop compassion and sympathy at a little bit later age where they realize other people are in the world and have needs and problems. But early on, Early on, it's about them, and they need to be because they're discovering the world. They're, it's about survival. There's nothing wrong with that. And our walk with God is much the same. In, the, in our early moments walking with God, our first conversations with Him are about us, and they need to be because we need to get our sin forgiven. We need to get our brokenness healed. We need to get our bondages delivered. Uh, we need to get God's direction for our life. So there's nothing wrong with that. But there comes a point. Yeah, yeah. All these chapters later, in 30 chapters, some things have happened with Moses. And now it's not about Moses anymore. The prayer he prays now is, you know, God, I've, I've seen, seen your finger right on tablets of stone, the law. I've seen his stretch out a rod and you part a Red Sea. I've had all these experiences with you where you've done great works. But now, God, I'm at a different place. And I just want to see your glory. There comes a place in God. Will Calvary be the church to where people are encouraged and even, and even drawn to a place in God where relationship with Him is not about, oh God, fix my problems. 
Oh, God, answer my prayer. Oh, God, heal my broken heart. Oh, God. You know, and he does all those things, and that's wonderful, and we're grateful for it. But something comes beyond that where we're like, Lord, what I really want to be about is your glory. Because I found out that more important than me getting everything I want and need is you. Because somewhere along the line, if you get to know him just right, you find out exactly what he told Abram is true. He said, Abram, when I call on you to go, you need to understand I'm going to create out of you a great nation. We're coming into a covenant today. I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing. And here's what you need to know. I am your shield and I am your great reward. (laughs) Abram, your reward is not when we get the answered prayer. Your reward is not when I make you rich and famous and you have all these descendants. Your reward won't even be Isaac one day. Your reward is always me. Some people feel like in their walk with God, the reward will be when he answers the prayer, when he brings them through the tough time. This is why people make promises to God when they're in the pit and in, in the belly of a whale. Yeah. Oh God, if you'll just get me out of here. You know, because, because they're at that place where the reward for them is the answer. Is the pain. You, you may have had folks that come into the church and while they're going through, they're here. But you know, let things get good enough for long enough and you don't see them much anymore. Their reward was getting past their discomfort. Their reward was getting back to life being easy or normal. But let this be the church where people find out he's the reward. Now when you find out he's the reward... You figure out that in him is all the answers. In in him is all the healing. It is all the deliverance. It is all the direction you need. And you don't have to beg for everything. You are children. You are joint heirs with Christ. And when you make him the focus and the reward, you say, God, I'm just going to walk in my pursuit of you. I'm just after your presence. I'm just after the sweetness of your voice and the arm of your power. I just want to know who you are, the fellowship of your suffering and and, and the glory of your power. I just want to know that. And God, God, as I walk with you, you'll take care of the enemies. You'll heal the disease. You'll give me the direction. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all the things, they're added. They're a byproduct of seeking Him. First, so I have to wonder. Moses' progression from being so egocentric in his prayer to a place where he says, God, show me your glory. I'm not... We talked about the, the, the necessities here with this people, but I'm really about seeing your glory. It really challenges me because I have to ask God, is that where I'm at? When I pray, is it really because I just want to know you? Is it because I've tasted and seen that you're good and not that your gifts are good? That's good. And if this doesn't ever fall into place, or I don't ever get that, or this prayer, even if it were never answered, I'm not really, it's just you I want. I just want God now. There's an old preacher that I follow, he's dead now. His name is Nathan Simmons, and he was prominent in the Church of God in Christ as an evangelist. And and he was very prominent in world travel and preached at every venue where you would want to preach if you were in their organization. And I, I, I remember a message I watched him preach Now, of all these things, he was very well-known, very blessed and gifted in every way. And I remember the message where he said, I just want God now. After all the other things, I just want God. 
Is that what we're really after when we come to 1045 service? I just want God. Is that what I'm after when I open my Bible and I'm looking for what thus saith the Lord for my life? Is it because I just want you, God? When I begin to pray, is it things I want or is it God I I know this separates men from boys and, 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 and adults from children spiritually, but at some point we've got to grow up with Moses and say, God, show me your glory. Now, I'm looking forward to the day that we stop asking for things and start asking for more of him. Pursuing God for his blessings, but pursuing him for his glory. We've got to come to the place where we don't just want him to fix problems, pay bills, or rescue from trouble. That is entry-level Christianity. We come to the place where we've fallen. Here is the key. We've fallen so in love with Jesus. We just want him. We don't have eyes for other people, other things. Other, that's, Lord, if it comes out of you, then I want it. But if it doesn't, I'm not interested. Because you're, you're the real reward. Yes. Have I fallen in love with Jesus? What do you, we always talk about, Floyd and I always talk about, about our grandmothers. And I just remember my, my grandmother who was always full of nothing but zeal, nothing but fire, nothing but, but worship and passion and preach hard and pray hard and love people extremely to the, to the depths that she could possibly help people. And all of it was based on a very, very simple theology she had. She just loved Jesus with all of her heart. She wasn't educated. She didn't come from the right side of the tracks. She came from the very wrong side of the tracks. We were, came from outcast holiness people that couldn't wear ties, and we wore white shirts buttoned to the top every day of our lives, wearing overalls, working in the field with starch white shirts and bucket buttoned at the neck. Some of you hearing Randy Travis right now when I said that. Okay, 30 people know who that is. Didn't have money. Not educated. Changed the world of our little town, my grandma did. Simple theology. She just loved Jesus. All her heart. That's what it always came back to. The message, every, every sermon, every time she prayed with somebody, every time she was counseling somebody, it was just, I just love Jesus. What a simple yet powerful theology. And yet we complicate it so greatly. And I, I, and I believe, church, that some of the reason is because the modern church hasn't introduced people to the person of Jesus. We have introduced them to the concept of Jesus. He's a religious figure. We have a program. We have a church that's built around a theory about him, a theology, and a philosophy about him. And in all of that, that doesn't make me fall in love with the man. Because at some point, there has to be a moment where we call people to a place like has already happened in this service and has happened in the next two minutes. Come on, Drew, and I'll quit preaching. To where we give people the opportunity to actually meet Him. Yes. He's a God who can be encountered. He's a God who can be heard. He's a God who will touch your life and change you and do things that no doctor could do and no psychologist could do and no expert and no education could ever do. This is that church. Where we will, we will tell you what we know about him, but it's always going to lead to the fact you have to meet him. You need to experience him for yourself. That's this church. The way that's going to happen is because the glory of God is going to sit down on this place and not leave. 
It'll change dynamics. Some of your ministries are about to get easier. I don't mean you won't have problems. I mean you'll have an abundance of answers. I don't mean you'll have less people to deal with. You're actually going to have more. But the, the presence of God's abiding glory greases the gears of what we do for Him and makes it all very supernatural to where it becomes natural to you to speak with God's wisdom. It becomes natural to you to pray with His unction. This is natural because His glory just stays here. This last comment as I invite you to come pray is this. It's not just over a building that the glory rests. It was over the tabernacle and the temple. Fast forward to Paul's comments to the Corinthian church. He says, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Yes, God's glory is going to rest over this church, but the good news is you're the temple too. His glory is going to rest on you. You won't just have a good day followed by maybe a bad day. No, you're going to walk in the abiding glory of God. And you'll have problems and enemies just like always, but you're going to have a different resource to draw from when you meet them. The abiding glory. And I just wonder who's hungry. We've already given an opportunity in this service to be saved, to come to know Jesus. And if you need to, if you still need to do that, when we invite people to come, you come and tell a prayer worker that that's what you need, they will pray. But other than that, I wonder, prayer team, you might want to take your place and then feel free to pray as you're led. But I just wonder right now, who says, I just want God now. I just want the glory. I, just want, I, want, I don't want it to be about things anymore. I want the glory of God in my life. I want it to rest on my life and on this church. I'm hungry for the glory of God, not thoughts and philosophies about Him, but the manifested glory of God. If that's you, join us at the front right now. God is about to settle His glory over your life and over this church. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast and pray that the Lord has ministered to you through this special message. If you want to reach out to us, please give us a call, 417-732-7554. Or you can get a hold of us on the web at calvarychristianag.org.